0: Near, uh, We want to uh, introduce those of you who don't know and update those of you who do. This is Allie Kale. Everybody say, hey Allie. Hey, yeah. Everybody say, what's good Allie? What's good? Yeah. Say they're good. Say they're good. Hey, they're good. You guys are awesome. Hey, uh, specifically to the ladies, but uh, but guys too. Just for your information, Allie was hired on as a student ministry intern. Uh, man, it's almost been a year, right? A Year ago we started talking in May. So uh, a year ago May she came on and has just recently accepted uh, a new position within the student ministry. So an intern kind of has a definite start time and a definite end time. But we really love Allie, and Allie is extremely gifted for ministry. So uh, she is coming on into a new role. Uh, to be our girls minister, so she's going to spend her hours and her time ministering to young ladies because I have no idea what goes up in your heads and uh, I don't understand and I'm insensitive and for all those reasons and the fact that Allie's incredibly gifted, she is going to be filling that capacity. So everybody give her a round of applause uh, for everything she does for us and um, and uh, spend some time. Uh, Spend some time after the service getting to know her, incredible individual, we're blessed to have her, so we're excited about what you are going to do and what God is going to do in and through you throughout the next however long he has us all together and uh, it's going to be awesome. Does that sound good? So ladies, you want to talk to her afterwards, sound good? We cool with that? You're good to go. I never tell Allie when we're going to keep her on stage because... Uh, sometimes she is uh, she doesn't she doesn't necessarily like to be up here all the time but uh, she needs to be up here because she's awesome so we're excited about that hey this is week eight of love well that's crazy to me it's crazy that we started this journey together in February uh, the month of February everybody's broken-hearted because they don't have Valentine's and for the people that do have Valentine's they walk with a swagger because they're not lonely uh, but uh, we started the journey then and and a couple things we said as we recap this getting started tonight is that that anyone who's looking for love and anybody who's trying to define it and anybody who's trying to corner it or understand it, what we have to know and what we have to come to believe is a scriptural principle that God is love, that if you're looking for love, you have to go to God. It's not just that he does love or that he has love or that he has a capacity in which he, uh, in which he uh, gives away love, but that he is love, that he is love the definition of it, and if you're looking for it, you have to go to Him. Anything short of him is false and it will not sustain you in the good days or the bad days. It is only through him that we can experience this thing that everybody seems to want, the word love. So love is not infatuation, it's not an emotion, it's not the butterflies you get when that girl winks at you from across the lunch table. It has nothing to do with with the emotion you have, gentlemen, when you're playing PS4 or Xbox one and you're like man I love this counsel. it's got nothing to do with that those are all lesser than the true definition of God because scripture says that, that God is love in 1 John 4 that God is love and then if if humans want love and they want to experience love and they want to know love and they want to have love and they want to be fulfilled by love that they must go to God for he is the only one in which can complete those needs and what we said we too is is that not only is God love, but he loves us enough to tell us the truth about us and this is where it can start to sting a little bit and it can get a little bit painful so if you have not been with us for this series I'm gonna recap our week two and if you're like man this is really hateful stick with me because we have to get to the silver lining but we can't get there unless we found on sure grounds that are biblical in definition so we went to Ephesians 2 for week two and we talked about how every single one of us all of us are dead in our transgressions and our sins that all of us have fallen short that all of us have disobeyed that we have all been given life by god that we have been uh sustained by god we've been allowed to live by god all the while we use the lives that we've been given to live for our own glory, to do our own thing, to disobey because our hearts are wicked and sinful. We do what we ought not do. All of us are setting our worlds up from the day that we're born to live with the world us at the center of it, that all of us use the people around us for our own gain, that all of us break God's rules, that all of us live for our own glory instead of the one who is altogether glorious, that you and I are rightfully condemned. By a holy and just God who is love, but simply because he's love, that does not take away from the fact that he is just, and he is righteous, and he is holy, and he is perfect, and his standard is perfection, and you and I, we don't meet that. Don't meet it. And it is on these grounds that the gospel appears as altogether beautiful and altogether glorious and altogether shining that God looks at us, all of us incapable, all of us broken, all of us lacking, all of us unable to satisfy God's standards. And God still looks at us for the glory of his name and sends his son. And under the wrath that we we rightfully deserve because of our brokenness, he pours it out on. On the sun and under the weight of the wrath that we deserve the sun is crushed and in this action of butchering the sun he is able to appease the wrath that he has for sinners so that whosoever would believe in him would never perish but have everlasting life in the one who has taken their place under the fountain of wrath that god has for sin that god so loves us that he would be willing to do this when we could offer him nothing you get that before you come to Christ we have nothing that he needs nothing can complete him there is nothing that we provide that he does not already have and there is nothing that we can do that would impress him it's not like God's in heaven going wow this individual like Treats his sister nice 75% of the time. That's amazing. Save that one. There is nothing that you could do to complete him, nothing that you can provide that would impress him, and that's what makes his love look so beautiful. Because in every other relationship that we entertain, it's this mutual, I give some, and you give some, and we meet it in the middle. But God, he doesn't work that way in his love for us. He's set up a relationship with us when we could do nothing for him. There is nothing that we could provide him that he doesn't already have, or that he doesn't already own, or that he needs. And he still gives his life for us. That is beautiful. And then we displayed it as we looked at Hosea 3 in a storyline where Hosea is told to love Gomer, even when Gomer runs away from him and sells herself back into prostitution, that Gomer that is in her filth when Hosea rounds the corner and purchases her. Oh, that wasn't good. What the world? It's all good. We got this. That's the craziest thing that's ever happened. That, that... Back at the ranch. That that Gomer sells herself back into enslavement and Hosea chases her and pursues her when when she could do nothing for him. And we said that that's a direct picture of what God has done for us. That he's given us life. He's given us the opportunity to live. He's given us the opportunity to breathe. And as we sin against him, he continues to pursue us. Like, Like, think about that. You're breathing right now because God allows it to be. Your heart beats in rhythm because he gives it to you. You are sustained completely by the merciful God who holds you together. Now this is what's heartbreaking. Some of you, and I don't know who, some of you don't believe that. Some of you don't believe that. That God is the one that's holding you in this moment. It's not just that he allows you to live. He holds you together. And if he were to stop, it's not just that you would die. It's that we would cease to exist. He holds us in the moment. And some of us, I don't know who, some of us most likely don't believe that. And it attests to the goodness of our God because even in your unbelief, God continues to be merciful to you in holding you here. To allow you to continually hear of the good news of the gospel, even in your unbelief, he is faithful to you. This is the gospel that God would send his son who would die for us, raised again on the third day that we might have new life in him you have been so loved and you don't deserve it and you could never earn it yes still he gives it you have been so loved in week five we got into what was uncomfortable for most of us including myself which is that now that we have received this love and it's been given to us, in fact, the Bible says he lavishes it upon us. This is this over top, he just pours it out on top of us that that we've been given it. And and because he's, he's overflown in our hearts with this love that he's lavished on us, we now have a responsibility, those of us who are in Christ, who operate in him, to give this love to the people around us. And that it's not, just a, it's not just a recommendation that God gives Christians, but it's an obligation. Because First John 4 says that he who does not give love, and he who does not show love, and he who does not operate in love, he doesn't even know God. That those who know God, and those who have experienced the love of God, they can't help themselves but give it away out of the overflow. They love the people around them because God's love has so transformed them we started with parents now let's be honest how many of you sometimes have a hard time loving mom and dad some of you are like my parents are perfect like okay for the three of you in the room congratulations but the rest of us not only are we broken but our parents has as much as we love them and care for them they're broken people and we're broken people and and sometimes that can be tough not only that, but they've been made responsible for raising us. Which means sometimes they use the word no. And that stinks. Because when they say no, it means you don't get what you want. Anybody ever been there before? You ask for something, and mom or dad's like, no. I've told you this story before, but when I was, I don't know, seven or eight, my dad took me to shoot a BB gun for the first time. Now I, you know, BB guns, pretty cool. For a seven or eight year old. So shoot this gun and we like set up the magazines on the on the on the uh, cliff so you could, you know, shoot the the pages out of the magazines and you know I shot, I don't know, five or six times, and because of those five or six times, I was pretty convinced that I would be capable of operating a Remington two seventy. And if you've never shot a two seventy or never you don't know what that is, if 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 you you know, if you shoot a two seventy, it will blow a hole the size of Texas in whatever you were aiming at. It's a big gun. That's the kind of gun that you kill bears with. I'm seven or eight years old. I fired a BB gun five times. I was like, dad, I got this, man. I got it. My dad's like, you're dumb. Leave me alone. I'm not giving you this weapon. Was it hateful? No, it was loving. Parents say no, sometimes that's hard. That's hard to understand. You're not always told to understand them. You are always commanded to love and respect them. Always called to love and respect them. So God has so generously poured out love on us. Look here. You do not get the option to choose who you're going to love. And you don't only get to love when it's easy. You must love with every fiber of your being as God pours and lavishes over you. All the time. And this is what's heartbreaking. Some of you, you come here, and many believe that, that man, that person is so on fire for the Lord. And they're, that man, they're just so jacked up about what God is doing. But you go home, and if your parents were to be asked, do you see, do you see love in, these, in this student? A lot of your parents would say, nope, I don't. I don't. I don't. How many of you are in that spot? I don't know. You love God. I love God. I, wanna, I, wanna, I love God so much. He's done so much in me. And then when it comes time to ask mom or dad, they say, we don't see it here. That's a problem. Called to love your parents. And we said brothers and sisters, and that's tough too. That's tough too because brothers and sisters, man, they can really get on your nerves. But you're required. You're called to love them. Because you have been so loved. God has so loved you. And now you must love. Last week we said that you must love your church. And look, that's tough too because we're all broken people. I'm a broken leader, Tyler's broken, Ali's broken, our volunteers are broken, John's broken, all of us are broken people. We're filled with a broken body and we're all trying and we're fighting for the the obedience that we want and long for but we're tempted and we fall and we frustrate each other and we sin against each other. Sometimes loving the body can be extremely difficult but we must because for those that have been loved, we must love the people around us out of the overflow, we must do this. Tonight we want to talk about your schools. We want to talk about loving your schools and being there for your schools and pointing people towards Christ in your schools and caring for people in your schools. This is where we want to land. So just in a reminder, 1 John 4.12 says this, Beloved, if God has so loved us, we also ought to love one another. We also ought to love one another. If he has done this much, we must give it. Now, when it comes time to loving schools, it can be very difficult because people in your schools don't believe. How many of you know at least one person your age that does not believe in Jesus? All right. Now, how many of you have ever experienced the fear that comes with loving someone by talking to them about the Lord or about your church? How many of you ever, that's been kind of, scary right all right it is tough it's very tough so we're going to talk a little bit about what this means number one loving people especially when it comes to your schools and especially when it comes to people who don't believe like you loving people means more than just being nice or caring for the physical social needs of an individual When I'm telling you that because you've been so loved, we also ought to love the people around us. I'm not saying that you just need to be nice to people. It's not just about caring for people and their physical needs, although that's a part of it. Oftentimes, what we do is, we say, man, we need to love people. Okay, so we're going to be really kind of nice and just pleasant and friendly, but it doesn't go beyond that. It never, it never goes beyond just doing nice things or caring for people. It never gets deeper than that. And I'm telling you that if you just be nice to people, that is insufficient in what God has actually called you to do. And you're going to see that in Matthew 28, 19 through 20, which we talk about all the time. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Now, if you're sitting in the room and you believe the Bible to be true if you believe the Bible to be true that means that you believe that Jesus Christ is God's Son who has been sent into the world to save her from her sins and whosoever would believe in her Would have everlasting life and not perish but for the one who does not believe for the one who continues to be unrepentant and for the one that continues to exercise their sinful spirits that they will be eternally separated from god if you believe that to be true yet you refuse to tell people about the one who seeks and saves and loves and romances you have a major problem In the way you love you see the command that jesus has given it's not just to be nice although we must be caring it goes beyond just being uh, a caring loving nice individual love requires more than that truth and love they can't be divorced they're always married If you have truth and there is no love in that truth, then it's not really true. And if you have love where there's no truth, it's not really love. Jesus says make disciples. Why? Because you only have one life to live. And there's one Savior who reaches into the lives of individuals and pulls them out of their sins and sets them free and gives them new life in his name. There's only one Savior that can do that. And it's not the Savior of money. And it's not the Savior of popularity. And it's not the Savior of worldliness. It's more than that. It's only Jesus Christ that can do this. And if you believe that to be true... Yet you refuse to tell the people around you about him. That is the most unloving thing you could possibly do. Because only he can set them free. Only he can love them. Only he can complete them. You can't do that. Only he can do that. There's a guy named um, Penn Gillette, and he's an atheist, and he's also a comedian. And one night, he was doing a stand-up show, and after the show was over, a guy came up to him and gave him a Bible, and he handed him the Bible, and he said, um, I know that you don't believe this. Uh, I've, I've, I've watched the show. You did a great job. I, I, know, I know you're not a Christian. I know you don't believe this, but um, I just underlined a couple verses in here, um, and I've just been praying for you, and, and I want to give you this, and I would like you to just take a look at it, and, and, and observe it, and think about it for yourself, and... And, I, and I'm not trying to force anything on you. I, I just want you to take a look at this. And Penn Gillette got on YouTube that night and made a video. And in the video, he told the story of this guy who gave him the Bible. He's an atheist. He doesn't believe in God. He doesn't, he doesn't believe in Christ. He's not saved. And Gillette said, he said that, that Christians who refuse to show the bravery and the courage that that man showed that they are some of the most hateful people that he knows. That it could not be more cowardly than a Christian who believes the Bible to be true to hide the truth of Christ because they're afraid of what people might think of them. Gillette said he expects the people who believe, or at least who claim to believe, the gospel to be true, he expects them to tell people about it. Because if, Christians believe that without the gospel, people will spend eternity away from God, and they refuse to tell people about the gospel, then they're saying that it's okay. And it's not. It's not. Your kindness, and your generosity, and your actions and your caring effort, all of them are wonderful things and they must continue. But if you take the truth of Jesus Christ away from your generosity, you have done no one any good. There are kind initiatives all over the world, but kindness can't save someone. Jesus saves someone. So as we make disciples, we have to teach We have to love, we have to teach, we have to talk about, we've got to be about the gospel. Anything short of the gospel will be insufficient to save a soul. But the gospel, Christ working, he does abundantly more than we could imagine. Reasons why we don't do this, and I think there are a few. Reasons why we don't do this. Number one, it's all about us let me unpack this. Why don't we talk about the gospel more? Why don't we discuss the beliefs that we have in Jesus more? Oftentimes, it's because we view our days as being all about us. It's it's about what I want to do, and I don't think that that's going to be fun, or I don't think that that's going to be a good conversation, or I'm kind of afraid of it, so I'm going to stick to my own doings and I'm gonna focus on myself and I'm gonna be about me and I'm gonna I'm gonna be inward focused in my day and I'm not gonna worry about anybody else cuz all about me number two it can be extremely uncomfortable and a lot of you attest to that it can be so scary to talk about Jesus with people who you know that don't believe it especially if you know someone that is malicious and they don't believe like there's people that are angry like you bring up the word God and they just like bring out the points. I was talking to a student up in uh, Johnstown a couple weeks ago and he was telling me that uh, he was trying to talk about the Lord with one of his friends. And his friends was so hard hearted uh, that he basically called them everything but stupid for believing and said he never wanted to talk to him again. People can be really malicious against the gospel. Christians are dying around the world because they profess Jesus Christ. It can be extremely uncomfortable to enter gospel conversations. I was at a car dealership a couple days or a couple weeks ago and uh, had this uh, this car salesman named Greg. And uh, we were driving around, test driving this vehicle, and uh, Greg starts telling me his story. And he says, "Yeah, I've uh, been a drug addict and..." And I've been uh, just, just in a ton of wicked activity. And I lived in Oklahoma. And I've pretty much done this for years, fallen into this nasty trap. And he said, I moved to Ohio and became a used car salesman. I live alone. I'm sober. I've been sober for like six months now. I'm not on drugs. I'm not on alcohol. And he said, you know what, Taylor? I had a space within me that I filled with drugs and alcohol. I'm completely sober from those things, and I'm still empty. And I was sitting there, and I was clutching the wheel. Of the vehicle that I was driving, and I knew that God was calling me to talk about him with Greg. And it was so scary. And I started, and it was difficult, and it was uncomfortable. And the second we talked about the Lord, Greg was like, I needed someone to explain that. I needed someone to tell me about that. It was so spooky, like it's so scary but it is so important because souls depend on receiving the good news of the gospel and trusting in it. It's so crucial that you get that. Number three, we don't always know what to say. How many of you have tried to enter a gospel conversation and feel like you butchered it because you didn't know what to say? That's happened to me a thousand times, all right? So so, so let me give you a practical way. This isn't the only way, here's a practical way ask someone how you can pray for them anybody ask them how you can pray for them I have never met an individual that gets offended by that question here's what you do you honestly ask and then you honestly pray like don't just be like hey how can I pray for you yeah not gonna do that no like like actually ask and then actually pray and then here's what you do follow up a couple days later hey how's that going I've been praying for that i've been asking god to work in that how's that going and then when they start to talk to you you start to point them towards your faith you start to point them towards who god is you start to point them towards what christ has done yeah man it's it's not getting better It's, it's really hard but can i ask you have you ever gone to god before have you ever trusted you know he loves you so much Allow the Holy Spirit to work. The Bible says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of what to say because He will give you the words. Being a coward and sitting on the sidelines, that's a recipe for being ineffective your entire life. But trusting in the Holy Spirit's ability to give you what you need, that's the recipe for seeing a life used by God to accomplish great things. And the last one, people will judge us if I tell people about Jesus and then they see that I'm a failure they're gonna judge me they're gonna think that I'm a hypocrite I'm gonna do more harm than I am good look right at me you are gonna mess it up and you are gonna fall and you are going to be weak at times But the good news of the gospel is that he's already covered that man this thing's driving me crazy he's already covered that he's already covered your weaknesses and your failures and your sins you don't own them anymore christ has taken them from you so that you being freed under this good news of the gospel of christ that you can live in this freedom forever Not having to worry about the condemnation that you one time had to worry about. That's the good news. So people who judge you, that's a misunderstanding of grace. And it's an opportunity to tell them all about it. I mess up all the time. I relate to you in that. But God's grace is sufficient and He covers me. So how are we gonna conquer some of these fears? Well, the end of Matthew 28, 20, as you make disciples, as you teach, as you baptize, it says this, I'm going to be with you always, even until the end of the age. I don't know how to make disciples. I don't know how to love people in my schools. I don't know how to tell them about Christ. I don't know how to do these things. Jesus says, Let's look here, you're going to trust me. You're going to walk in obedience. And I am never going to leave your side. That's the best news you could hear tonight. You don't have to graduate middle school and move into high school to start doing this. You don't have to clean it all up to start doing this. You don't have to be perfect to begin telling people about Jesus. The cross is a symbol that says you're not perfect. In fact, you're a failure, but in Christ you're made strong. You don't have to get out of high school and start college. You don't have to do anything but walk in obedience. And Jesus says, I'm never going to leave you. The promises get even better. 1 John 4, 18 says, there's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out this fear. I'm afraid. I don't know what I'm going to do. Preach to yourself the good news of the gospel and let the perfect love of Jesus drive that fear out. And this is a personal favorite. Know in all these things, Romans eight thirty eight. Know in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, or things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depths, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. In Him, He carries the day. So the band's going to come and play, and we're going to wind this thing down. Nothing's working tonight, huh? We're going to wind this thing down. So what I would say. You have one life to live. One. And we have one gospel that saves. And many of you claim to have been found in it. This one life to live, with this one story that saves. If you want to live a life that matters, you'll tell everybody that you know for all of your days about the one who loves them and gave himself up for them. And if you want to live a life that means, listen to me, if you want to live a life that means nothing continue to be selfish cowardly and irresponsible live for yourself and you'll find that at the end of your days it amounts to nothing it'll amount to nothing you you could literally waste it and how horrifying is that like think every single one of you have one life to live and you mess that up you'll waste it but you make it about Jesus You make it about loving people. It's hard and I don't understand and I'm uncomfortable and I'm afraid. But God, you are bigger than this and you've trusted me with this and you've enabled me to do this. I'm going to trust you and I'm going to walk after you. I'm going to do this in obedience. I love you and I trust you and I have faith that you're going to work it out. You live that way. God will do abundantly more through you than you could even imagine. Now here's the victory. One day this one life that you have it'll pass away all of us are going to die hope i didn't like rain on anybody's parade but you will one day pass and for those of you who are in christ you'll pass into glory and this is my prayer for you it's my prayer for me That when you pass into glory, when you see the one that you have given it all for, when Jesus is there and you see him in his beautiful, glorious face, when you experience that and then you look left and right, you'll look left and right and you'll see people that God used you to impact. And what a glorious day that will be. Better than that, if you impact them and they impact others and those others impact more people who impact more people who impact more people, you will have been used in ways that you don't even understand right now. And you'll worship along their side for all of eternity. Right now, you could be used in this way to accomplish these things through Him who strengthens you to do so. You can live a life that matters if it's one where you walk in obedience, you love people who are hard, you love people who are scary, you love people who don't know Jesus, or you can live a life that means nothing. And the easiest way to do that is just live for the glory of yourself. You'll die and it'll be gone. I plead with you to evaluate what you want this thing to mean and if you know christ and you believe that he is true the one god who saves then do everything in your power for all of your days to love people and tell them the truth about the one who's done this let's pray lord we love you so much we thank you for the blessing of this day god i thank you that you have reached into our lives and you've saved, Lord, I thank you for the students in this room that are true, I thank you for the students in this room that know you and love you and profess you, God, I thank you so much for their hearts, I thank you for those who walk in obedience, God, I pray for the ones in this room that don't know you, that don't don't know what it is to be lavished, Love upon for those who don't understand what it is to be found in you. God, I pray that you'll draw them, that you'll woo them, that you'll romance them. That even in this time of worship, you'll set your weight upon them and you'll press them down only to lift them up in you. Convict and move and stir and romance students that don't know you. And for students that do know you, I pray that you would give them a fresh wind of fire and passion to make disciples right where they are. Speak courage into them, God. Speak ferocious passion for the gospel into them, God. That they would go into their schools, that you would encourage and you would strengthen and you would empower them to do what even right now they can't comprehend you doing. May they be used May we all be wrung out for the glory of your name in loving people and making disciples, telling people about you and pointing people towards you and encouraging people in your way, God. May they see Jesus in us. May they hear Jesus from us. And may through Jesus alone they be saved. That our family would grow. The kingdom would advance hearts would worship. God, we beg you. We give our worship time to you. I pray that it would be sweet in your ear. Do what only you can do. I pray that our worship would be passionate, big, maybe founded in an experience where you woo us and maybe we respond in a way that would glorify you. Can't wait to sing your praises with this family. Help us to be sincere. Help us to move. Help us to be effective. It's in your beautiful name that we pray. Amen. All right, so as we sing tonight, um, you're more than welcome to find your place around here. Always make it a place of prayer. If you want to pray for individuals, uh, it's awesome when you find yourself on your knees and you say, God, I know that you're calling me to love and point this person towards Christ in my school or in my community, and that's really scary. So I'm praying to you right now, asking you'll help me with strength, and empowerment, that's an awesome thing to do. As we sing, if, if you're walking obedience, obediently and you're seeing God do something to worship Him, for those of you who sing and pray, I pray that you would do it sincerely. Let's have a great night. You can stand.